We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass, stay responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI-I, too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on geico.com you can save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Thursday, September 10th, 2015. I'm Clay Link, alongside Jake Latarski, who you can follow on Twitter at Jakeski52. I'm at Clay W. Link. Jake, football is finally back. Uh, of course, Steelers... Patriots kicking off tonight. We're going to run through the entire week one slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll first want to start with really a, a key piece of news from today regarding Mike Evans. Misses practice again uh, due to that lingering hamstring issue. And it's it's a tough situation. I think he's certainly trending towards doubtful or maybe even out mm-hmm. uh, if he doesn't return to the turn, at least a limited practice Friday. But uh in light of that, you know how how high is Vincent Jackson for you? Is he is he a wide receiver too? Yeah, I think you can very much put him up there uh, this week at least for a wide receiver too. So his stock goes up a bit. He's a big target for a rookie quarterback, veteran, established presence. You got to love that. But really, when it comes down to the Tampa Bay team, I think the fact that they're starting a rookie quarterback uh, and everything else that's uh, revolving around that game, it does a lot for Doug Martin's value mm-hmm. in my part. I think he gets a lot of the targets because. I mean, you look at the Tampa Bay depth chart, and of course, if Evans, we're presuming he's out at this point, uh, very rare will you miss practice all week and then get a starting nod. But Vincent Jackson sitting at number one. Then down on the depth chart, you look to Lewis Murphy and Russell Shepard, neither of which I, I consider to be very fantasy-relevant plays in either daily yeah. or season long. If there's a pass catcher that might uh, that might get a little bit of a boost by that, maybe Austin Safarian Jenkins, but he never really showed it last year on a consistent basis, so I have a tough time, unless it's a very deep tournament, uh, throwing him out in the, in the play there. So I really think that Doug Martin becomes the main beneficiary as they look to take some of that pressure off Jameis Winston, maybe have the ball in his hands a little bit less where he doesn't have to make decisions that could end up costly. Yeah, I think you you nailed that one on the head. And, you know, ASJ maybe sees a few more targets, but I don't really think he's uh, takes on a significantly larger role uh, with with Mike Evans out uh, if he is indeed out but Lewis Murphy had some flashes last year he may be a guy I'd consider in DFS certainly not a season-long option but maybe a, a punt play in DFS uh, if you need need the salary but uh, we'll, we'll start running down these games I mean a lot to get to we'll start with the Thursday night game uh, Patriots seven point favorites at home I'm kind of surprised that it's that high but uh, over under 51 and a half I mean, of course, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady all getting the start. Uh, anybody you see, maybe D'Angelo Williams is a guy that, that you'd feel comfortable starting in this game? Yeah, I, I would think uh, D'Angelo Williams I would be comfortable starting. There's a couple other situations, of course, with Martavis Bryant out for the first four games for the for the Steelers. There's a couple situations where I could see myself starting Marcus Wheaton. For example, there's leagues that I own Mike Evans in. And I'm putting Wheaton in my lineup right now, uh, just because of the uncertainty involving or regarding Evans. And I'm, I'm as of right now, I'm banking on Evans not playing, so I'm using a guy like Wheaton, who I drafted mostly for these first four weeks. So I could see uh, some situations where you'd start both of these guys. I mean, the over/under on this game is 51.5, so it's the highest over/under all week. I think there might be one other 51, and that's the closest. So you're obviously trotting up both quarterbacks: Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady. And uh, D'Angelo Williams, you can very much make a case for him uh, to get to get the start there. And, of course, Antonio Brown, you drafted him in the first round. You're throwing him out there week one. Yeah, Julian Edelman probably. Mm-hmm. I'd feel pretty comfortable, even in standard leagues. But uh, I'd like to have more action on this game with such a high over-under. But 
Uh, I mean, I have some shares of Gronk, some shares of Antonio Brown, but not really much else. I guess Brady and some some best ball formats. But uh, at running back for the Patriots with Garrett Blunt out, you know, I, I think Brandon Bolden expected to shoulder mm-hmm. most of that workload. But I saw uh, Adam Schefter right before we came on on, on ESPN saying that uh, he, he likes Deion Lewis mm-hmm. as kind of a sleeper, a guy who can uh, step into kind of a pass-catching role. Do you see him as maybe a – a DFS target, or maybe like if, maybe if you're in a really deep like 14 team league, uh, and, and maybe you have a running back down, you think mm-hmm. he may be worth a flyer? Yeah, it'd have to be a pretty deep tournament, and the only reason I'd be hesitant on that is just because it's Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Who really knows what's going to happen with that running back situation? And you might need a week or two to be able to really sort that out because they've got a perfectly good patch, pass catching option in James White out of the backfield so he could potentially be used I'm not advocating starting him at all Bolden of course is atop the depth chart by default and I, I very much believe that Deion Lewis will get some action as well Deion Lewis said we did a 12 teamer uh, I believe you were in this uh in in the famous fantasy league where mm-hmm. where uh Deion Lewis was drafted in one of the late rounds uh, mm-hmm. someone went ahead and took him Didn't remember and that. uh oh, yeah one of my friends Steph who's a fantasy football nut for a while and uh she always goes for those sleepers in the late rounds and I think she might have found one there with Deion Lewis I guess we're going to see after the first couple weeks though but me personally I don't have enough confidence in Lewis to trot him out there week one even with the LeGarrette Blunt suspension I just it's there's some there's a good matchup for the running backs there but there's so much uncertainty that has to shake out so if you are doing a deep tournament uh in DFS where that does include Thursday's games some of them do most of them don't start up on Sunday but if you are including Thursday's games in your tournament then there's a chance because the ownership's probably going to be pretty low and there's I mean we saw what Jonas Gray did last year help carry the millionaire maker winner to uh, of course a million bucks in that week that he had those four touchdowns so you never really know with New England so there's a chance there but but it's very risky and Mm. and and week one unless I unless I somehow managed to draft Arian Foster Todd Gurley and CJ Spiller on the same team I don't really see how uh how how I could work Lewis into mine yeah I think there is some upside there, but there's you know so much downside that I think it takes him out of consideration in most formats, uh, especially if Traveris Cadet suits up. I mean, he's questionable officially, but practiced mm-hmm. throughout the week, and he's somebody that I think could fill that kind of similar role. I actually think he's a pretty talented guy, and uh, you know it's just yeah the Belichick situation and Cadet if he does suit up. Uh, just throws a lot of wrinkles into that that I'm going to be hands off. But we'll move to Sunday's games here. Uh, Browns at Jets. Jets three-point favorites at home over under at 40. I'd imagine that's one of the lower ones of the week. And yeah, pretty disgusting game. I don't know how many eyes are going to be really on this. But Jets, one of Chris Liss's best bets of the week. Uh, I think, you know, there's not a lot of guys. I don't really have any shares on either team here i mean i i think i have brandon marshall one spot uh but i really don't like many of the fantasy options in this game outside of a guy maybe like chris ivory who i, I do think uh was undervalued this preseason yeah i think chris ivory is an ex- excellent daily option because you're going to find him right in the middle tier of running backs he's not nearly up at the top like you'd think and i very much think until that backfield gets to be fully healthy Chris Ivory will be able to be profitable for the first couple of weeks. Looking around at, at his prices and some of those contests, that's only confirming it because I like to take just one of my general NFL strategies is to go uh, running backs that are cheap but have a good role 
and, and, and use those guys as my backs. And I always feel that receivers are a little bit more consistent. Even the top backs like Eddie Lacy, Jamal Charles, some of those guys might get held out of the end zone every once in a while and, and put up maybe not a dud, but just not the big-time game for the price you're shelling out, as opposed to if you get guys like Julio Jones and Des Bryant in your lineup, they're going to be top price guys, but I think they're a lot safer plays, especially in those cash games. So, mm-hmm. uh, And using that strategy, I'm going Chris Ivory in a whole lot of places there. Yeah, Brown's worst run defense in, in the NFL last year. They improved whatsoever? Um, I mean, they've, they definitely... In terms of yards per game. Yeah, is. in terms of yards per game. They had a tough stretch last year when uh, Carlos Dansby got hurt for a little while, and they took steps to improve their defensive line with a few first-round draft picks there. Uh, Danny Shelton is one of them that comes to mind. They've kind of retooled. Uh, for uh, they have a three-four scheme, and they retooled to have some maybe some quicker defensive linemen instead of the big the big clogging up guys that you've seen in the past. So I, I assume they're going to get better. I think they just fell behind in a lot of games and were against teams that were running the ball a lot mm-hmm. just by default, trying to get rid of the clock there. So they'll improve, but you know, sitting at last place in the league, you got to love where uh, where Chris Ivory is at in yeah. terms of daily. Still a matchup to exploit, then I'd say for sure. Yeah. Uh, and any any wideouts? I mean, I, I don't even really like Brandon Marshall as a must play by any means this week. If if at all, he's probably a flex or low low end wide receiver three for me. What about a guy like Dwayne Bow? Is he completely uh, off off the radar as far as a, a starting option? Yeah, I'm sitting him in any formats. Of course, I didn't draft him in any formats, but he's the third wide receiver on the Cleveland Browns depth chart, so he's sitting behind. Andrew Hawkins, he's sitting behind Brian Hartline, and he's got Josh McCown throwing in the ball. If there are any Browns that you even think to start in these early weeks, you might have to be in a little bit of a pinch, but I do like Isaiah Crowell. I know I've dogged him a little bit on the podcast for just winning the job by default, but really the default option behind that offensive line. I mean, the offensive line is no Dallas Cowboys, but they've got the best center in the league probably in Alex Mack, the best offensive lineman in the league in in Joe Thomas, and then, you know, they sit with guys like Batonio and and, and very serviceable guys. He was a high draft pick as well. So that offensive line with a healthy Alex Mack will be one of the top five in the league, I think. And after they ship Terrence West away, Pretty much uh, all they have is Crowell with a little bit of Duke Johnson mixed in. Duke Johnson didn't go through contact at Wednesday. Wednesday was a non-contact practice. He just got cleared through the league's concussion protocol, so he might see some reps on third down. I think he's a better pass-catching option than Crowell, but I'm not confident enough to throw a rookie into my week one lineups either season long or or daily. I'm going to roll with Crowell in places where I'm in a pinch. You know, I got got Arian Foster a lot of places, got LeGarrette Blount a few spots. So looking for week one fill-ins, and Duke Johnson's a guy I didn't end up with a lot of shares of, but I think he could uh, surprise some people, at least in PPR formats, with, with a solid day. I'm not expecting a big day, but I know Coach Mike Pettin, uh did leave the door open for, you know, even though he's missed time due to this concussion, I uh, left the door open for him to maybe have a significant role this week. So I think that's mm-hmm. uh, definitely something to watch, more so for next week, but I think if you're in a, a real pinch, like I'm starting David Johnson a couple spots just because I have – Foster and Gurley in that league, but I think, mm-hmm. and and I probably would. I don't have Duke Johnson in that, but I'd, I'd probably prefer David Johnson, even though he's listed third on their depth chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could really see the that's a standard league though. See the argument in PPR if you wanted to give uh, Duke Johnson a role in a, in a deeper league. Uh, Packers at Bears. Packers seven point favorites on the road in Chicago. Over under at forty nine. Uh, this will be an interesting game. Really loving the Packers uh, defense. 
in this one quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Alshon Jeffrey, he's got a, a calf issue. He was limited in practice Thursday. Concern growing for you or did the fact that he was able to practice even in a limited capacity uh, give you hope for this weekend? Yeah, I think that's a good sign that he's been able to get back on the practice field for those Alshon Jeffrey owners. A lot of people put him in that second tier of wide receivers there after guys like uh, ODB, Julio Dez, and of course Antonio Brown. So I think you're going to get wide receiver one value potentially. I, I know the Packers through the draft took steps to improve their secondary quite a bit, especially following the loss of Tremont Williams to Cleveland, who we just talked about there. But the fact that he was able to get out and, and do some things on Thursday is certainly encouraging in my book, and I, I like him. But another guy I like on the Bears, just in case Elshon Jeffrey is limited in any way, they've been purposely secretive about this leading up to the regular season. But I actually really like Martellus Bennett as a tight end play. He always seems to have big games against the Packers. It doesn't necessarily help the Bears win, but Martellus Bennett is always involved, and he's a big comfortable known target he's not a newer guy that for Cutler so Cutler likes to go to Bennett up the middle when he's in a pinch almost in the same sense where he would I'm not saying it's going to be the same way but he would always force the ball to Brandon Marshall a lot when he was around in Chicago just a big target Martellus Bennett another big target that can come down with the ball in traffic so I think regardless of whether or not Jeffrey plays I think Bennett's a I mean, if you drafted Martellus Bennett, you drafted him as a tight end one, you're starting him until his bye week, most likely. But in daily formats, there's a lot of room for profit, I think, with Martellus Bennett. There's no Gronk on the board in most daily contests this this week because he's playing on a Thursday. So for me, it's either Martellus Bennett or Greg Olson as my top tight end plays this week. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think it's clear that Bennett is the clear beneficiary there, especially with Eddie Royal questionable. He's been limited. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marquez Wilson also questionable. So... I think if Jeffrey were to sit, there's not a clear whiteout, at least until we see the inactives that you can bet on as being a guy to step in and take on a, a pretty big role. What about for the Packers? Uh, Randall Cobb's got that shoulder issue, but he said, quote, I'll be on the field Sunday, uh, eliminating any doubt as to his status. Uh, I think he's a must-start. I think Devontae Adams is a great mm-hmm. start this week. Really like him as a, a wide receiver, too. Anybody else in that receiving core, maybe a tight end for the Packers that you like? Maybe... Uh, I know they signed James Jones, but is, is Ty Montgomery, you know, is, is that just out of, out of question? I'm not really too high on Ty Montgomery week one because the role's a little bit secretive. You, you're going to see him return some kicks and punts for sure, and, and they'll stick there. But when Jordan Nelson went down, a lot of people moved Ty Montgomery up their draft boards. I'm not so sure that's warranted just because he's more of a player similar to Randall Cobb, like a shorter, quick slot receiver. And, of course, I'm Randall Cobb must play, starting him everywhere I have him. I think I've got him in two leagues, actually, taking him as early as 15 overall this year. I think he really has a great year. But both Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams must play. Don't count out Richard Rodgers another year in that system. Uh, there is a 16-team yeah. league I'm in that I I kind of punted tight ends but was happy to get Richard Rodgers at the end there. I think that'll work out for me. I'm starting him over the likes of Kobe Fleener in week one just for some, some kind of perspective of the tier that he's at. So Rodgers could have a chance. I'm not ready to throw James Jones out there in a starting role yet, I think, but I think he will eventually develop into uh, a red zone threat, probably get six to eight touchdowns on the year if they use him in a similar way. So kind of looking at it that way, I, I'm just not confident enough to start Montgomery. Devontae Adams, though, in daily formats, an excellent play. You need to remember that a lot of those contests for NFL, uh, the daily sites wanted to get their their 
lineups out so people could start playing really, really early. And once you put a set of salaries and players out there, you can't necessarily change it after people have entered the contest. There are a lot of open contests still where Devontae Adams is at a very, very low price, and he can be an absolute value play. I actually think his ownership is going to be incredibly high, Mm -hmm. but if you get in a smaller contest and maybe catch a break where the ownership isn't there, he's... Devontae's almost a must-start against the Bears because I don't think you'll see a whole lot of Kyle Fuller there, and I just love his prospects for week one. Yeah, that Bears secondary is awful. I think they're going to burn burn the Bears up and down the field all day, and I think he is, uh, without question, a must-start. I was so happy to get so many shares of Devontae Adams. Uh, Got him at at number 50 in one league the other day. and 50? Yeah. Jeez, I'm seeing him go for like like, 31 to 35 range. I took him in, in that league last night that we drafted. Like, really high, like 29. Yes. But that was fine. Like, I honestly think he's a top 30, 35 overall player. And now I also knew that James Anderson was going to take him if I didn't there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I took him and then got DeAndre Hopkins with my next pick. So I was very happy with how that played out. But I think, you know, it took – the ADP didn't rise enough by any means. Like, the ADP was still, Mm -hmm. what, 70s with Devontae, even after Jordy Nelson's injury. So if you got – Devontae Adams, I really think he could be a difference maker and a guy who could mm-hmm. end up being you know, on a large majority of, of championship teams this year. Yeah, especially be- in those leagues that did early drafts. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm looking at NFFC ADP right now. Uh, of course, a lot of these drafts were held before the Jordy Nelson injury. Devontae Adams, number 90 overall player behind guys like Rashad Jennings, Victor Cruz, Trey Mason, Anquan Bolden. Of course, he's going to return a lot more value than that. And if you got him... Uh, if you even if you got him in round five or six, that's a spectacular value, mm. and and he's going to return a lot of profit for you this season. Yeah, I'm very excited about Devontae Adams. I think too that he's uh, showed at the end of last year that he kind of has Aaron Rodgers' trust, and they have a rapport going. I think mm-hmm. they are going to you know after an off season of probably working together throughout the spring and then through training camp, I think they're going to be uh, a really good combo there. We'll move on, Chiefs. At Texans, this is a pick 'em over under at forty one. Don't love a lot of the options here. Of course, Jamal Charles, uh, Jeremy Macklin, mm-hmm. give a start. Both those guys must starts probably. Yeah, I would say on the Texans side though, Arian Foster out here. There, there was a report today uh, from Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle maintaining that Foster is expected back by late September or early October. Uh, as a guy who has a lot of shares there, that is good to hear. <laughs> but it, uh, with him out this week, Alfred Blue likely to step in. But I, I kind of like Chris Polk. Is he is he a threat to Alfred Blue's uh, workload? Potentially, I could see it as more of a split this week, and and we'll see it. It'll be a good gauge for the rest of September for how much utility you'll be able to get out of these guys because Kansas City had the number 28 run defense in the league last year, gave gave up 127.3 yards per game on the ground. So there's possibly some holes in there that can be exploited a little bit but uh, yeah I mean we're gonna have to see how this plays out I I think if I had to pick between the two in a season long if I somehow rostered both I'd be leaning towards blue a little bit but I think Polk has a chance and and we'll just have to see how it plays out week one I'm not really ready to act on that information until I actually see some regular season game action yeah I think uh, you know I think blue is, is kind of the guy that I would definitely start if I had the two, but I think people make it kind of a dangerous assumption in that they think Blue's going to get like is a lock for like upwards of twenty carries, and I just don't necessarily think that's the case. I think you know maybe fifteen, maybe maybe twenty. I don't know, but I, I just think it's 
uh, there's a possibility that he that there is a, a split in carries mm-hmm. and fairly even. So uh, I don't think he's a safe bet by any means, especially going up against a team like Kansas City. Mm-hmm. The receiving core for Texans, DeAndre Hopkins, of course, giving him a start. But Cecil Shorts, are you on that, that train at all? No, nah, I'm sitting him right first week. I guess we'll see how it develops a little bit. Not overly confident in Brian Hoyer, having watched him with the Browns all of last year. And DeAndre Hopkins has shown it doesn't matter who's throwing in the ball. He's still going to make plays. Uh, I haven't seen that from Cecil Shorts, really, even though he did have some a couple good stretches with Jacksonville over the last couple of years, but I, I haven't seen enough out of him to throw him in my week one lineup or, or really in daily, to be honest. Indy at Buffalo, Colts two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. I thought that number would be a little higher, but I, I guess it is in Buffalo. So over-under 45. Sean McCoy, full participant Wednesday, fully expected to play in the opener. Good news for his owners, but... Uh, do you think maybe with McCoy that that price fell fell too much in the off season, and that owners who, who did grab him are going to profit significantly, or do you have some reservations with McCoy? Um, I mean, I'm throwing him out there week one. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, it's it's good to see him practicing in full. Might not be a hundred percent healthy for the opener, worth noting, but he feels good enough to play and he feels healthy enough, and like the medical staff has done his job there. So. Uh, Barring any kind of setback or, or anything like that, he'll be out there. Uh, I still think he's uh, right on the edge of the top 10 of the running backs. He's kind of working his way. He's floated around back and forth. And I think that's right about where his price should be. His price fell after after last year, and rightfully so. He was pretty much, he was almost the consensus number one pick in a lot of formats, and he just wasn't used as much. And of course, the system's going to be a little bit less favorable to his skill set, I think, over in Buffalo. But at the same time, I think you'll get uh, top 10 value, RB1 value out of him if you drafted him that way. Yeah, I think so too. On the other side, the running back for the Colts, Frank Gore, you know, I thought he was completely overdrafted by mm-hmm. a wide margin this spring, but or this fall. But um, I think it's interesting because there's a recent report suggesting that they could kind of limit his snaps. He could be on the kind of a pitch count, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, Chuck Pagano saying the Colts will monitor Gore's workload very closely uh, during the season. Still a guy that you start. Especially, you know, if you ended up with him, you probably drafted him the third or fourth round. So there's no no chance you're going to even think about about starting uh, sitting him. But does this this report kind of uh, make you uneasy if you're if you're a Gore owner? Yeah, I'd be very uneasy if I if I was a Gore owner. And I mean, I fortunately am not a Gore owner yeah, because exactly. he he was he was my choice for the Co- Toby Gerhardt 2015 award on, <laughs> on a podcast we did earlier yeah. uh, in the preseason. I, I I don't like where his age is at, where the workload's been at over the last couple of years, the state of the Indianapolis offensive line, the fact that Dan Heron ended up uh, with an injury designation there uh, is going to help Frank Gore a little bit because the depth behind him isn't that great. But at the same time, I'm just not overly confident. If you drafted him, you probably drafted him in a position where you have to start him, but I, you know, I'm looking down the road for guys like Jonathan Stewart, Alfred Morris, even TJ Yeldon or Amir Abdul, even Joseph Randall. Like all those guys go way ahead of Gore on my list for Week One. Yeah, I, I'm really down on Gore and uh, loved that he was getting drafted so high because it allowed me to get really good picks in the third and fourth rounds in the leagues that I drafted. Uh, where he was taken that high, but situation where, yeah, I mean, this is just uh, getting off on the bad foot with this report. 
but we'll see how it plays out there uh, in India in Indianapolis among their receivers. You know, Andre Johnson. Uh, I think he's a, probably a decent start. I'm not really high on him, but mm-hmm. Dante Moncrief. See a guy maybe you think about. I'd have to be pretty hard-pressed in a deep format. The Bills do have one of the better defenses in the league. I I saw in a lot of drafts they were the first defense off the board. So keeping that in mind, uh, of course, you got to go T.Y. Hilton. He's a wide receiver one. That's what you drafted him as. You know, Even though the matchup isn't the greatest this week, you kind of got to take your bumps and bruises early. And Andre Johnson, I don't have any shares of Andre Johnson, but I saw a lot of people that, in my opinion, overdrafted him a little bit. Maybe that's why I didn't end up with any. Uh, but, but at the same time, if you drafted him with one of those middle kind of round picks, you're probably drafting him to be your wide receiver two or three, mm-hmm. in which case you got to throw him out there. I mean, the quarterback play is going to be much improved from what he's had in the past few seasons there. So if he's in your lineup, I don't. the matchup isn't the greatest, but at the same time, I can very much see starting him, especially if your options are limited. Yeah, I saw Matthew Barry of ESPN su- suggesting or, you know, uh, offering up a bold prediction that Andre Johnson is going to finish with career highs in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. I don't really see it, but I, I do, yeah. The move from Houston to Indianapolis, mm-hmm. uh, that should help, but I'm worried about his age and, and the injuries yeah. the past couple Thanks, of years. Thanks, Barry, for pumping him up for everyone else to take him yeah, in front exactly. of me in the draft. Pump Got me some better picks. <laughs> Dolphins at Redskins. Dolphins three and a half point favorites on the road. Over under forty three and a half. Uh, are the Dolphins just going to walk all over the Redskins. Are the Redskins the worst team in the NFL. They're going to be close, but because of the division they play in, some with a lot of weak defenses, there's plenty of fantasy options. I'm thinking twice about starting Alfred Morris this week. I mean, hmm. I have him in a couple uh, situations with the Dolphins, uh, a very good run defense, and it, well, I mean. They were okay, so they were kind of middle of the pack, uh, or I guess bottom third a year ago. But Nag- N- uh, excuse me, Nadamakin Sue is a complete game changer. He's going to be nasty for those guys up the middle. So if I have Alfred Morris, I- I'm looking at my other options. But the couple places I do have Alfred Morris, he is kind of almost a must start in those situations, especially when I have him in a 16 teamer. So I'm ha- I'm throwing him out there either way. But if you're in a shallower eight or 10 team league, you might have some other options to look at over Morris. So I'm a little bit concerned about him. Uh, Dolphins, I think you got to go out. You got to send out Lamar Miller, send out Ryan Tannehill and Jarvis Landry. If you own those guys, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very good matchup for them this week. And I, I don't see the Redskins defense slowing them down at all. Jordan Cameron. I yeah, feel like he's a tight end one. Yeah, he's definitely a tight end one. If you drafted him, you probably drafted him as a a low end tight end one, so in the six through eight range. So, but yeah, I, I, I guess I did leave him out. But a healthy Jordan Cameron should be able to do some work on this Washington defense. Panthers at Jags. Panthers three and three point favorites over under forty one and a half. I think this is a game that I, you know. Have a lot of action on more than I expected. Probably because I have more shares than I expected of T.J. Yeldon, mm-hmm. who I do like. Uh, also picked up uh, a guy like Corey Brown, who I mean the mm-hmm. drop issues in the preseason were terrible, but he is listed as a starter. Uh, and I figured with my last bench spot, having a guy who's has a starting role would probably be better than having you know a flyer on some uh, you know fourth string wideout, but. What do you think here? Do you think I mean Jonathan Stewart must start for me, but let's let's stick with the Panthers here. Cam Newton, I saw, I've seen you grab him a couple spots recently. How do, how do you feel about him in this matchup? Yeah, you know, heading into drafts this year, it's not like I was particularly high on him. 
so I wasn't targeting him, but I ended up with him in two, maybe three leagues. Fell uh, far yeah, that I Because he fell. He fell so much in every single league that he just kind of fell into my lap. And I think, obviously, a lot of people are down on him because of the Kevin, Calvin Benjamin injury. I think the Benjury, in, or the, the Benjury, the Benjamin injury is going to benefit Greg Olson a whole lot. He's one who I was actually targeting quite a bit going in on draft day and he's one of my favorite DraftKings plays for week one at the tight end position Greg Olson's always been a great PPR guy and that's the DraftKings format there but I mean there's a league here where I am a Mike Evans owner and it's a 16 team league and I do have Cam Newton on my team and I'm very much considering the Philly Philly round option of I mean the Jaguars despite the the rap they get for not winning with any consistency over the last couple of years. They have a little bit better defense than than most expect, I think. It's one that's definitely improving. But there is a league where I'm going to have to move. There's a league where I have Todd Gurley and Mike Evans isn't going to be able to play, so I'm down two top-tier starters, and I'm going to have to move uh, Torrey Smith in favor of Mike Evans. And then under, underneath that, i got to choose between Brandon Coleman and Philly Brown. So it's not looking all that great between those two. But I might just bank on a big day for the Panthers' offense against the Jags and maybe throw Corey slash Philly Brown in, in, mm-hmm. in my lineup as, as my flex in a 16-teamer. Anything 12 or under, don't look at that as a viable matchup. Uh, but, of course, you can make Cam Newton a starter yeah. in just about any format, depending on how you treated the quarterback position on draft day. Is that half PPR? Uh, yes, it is yeah. half PPR. I think Brown, a lot better bet in half PPR PPR format, just because I feel like he'll, he'll get a lot of targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the number one guy right now, and Ted Ginn, too. Devin Funch is three. I feel like, you know, I, again, he's a big, tall guy, athletic, but I think, you know, he was overdrafted, and that was mainly before they released their official depth chart with him third, but you see him emerging and beating out one of those two guys ahead of him for targets in time, and how long do you think it'll take for him to do so? I think his role expands as the season goes on, maybe about three to four weeks. or It's really tough to say. Because of necessity, it might come on early or it might be somewhere around the midway point of the season. Uh, Only time will tell, but just based on his depth chart position, he's not necessarily a must-start even going up against Jacksonville this week. So I want to watch him a couple games, see how his snap count compares to the rest of the receiving core, and then move on from there to make my decisions for week two. Allen Robinson, a guy you're starting wherever you have him? Yeah, he's a must-play. I think he's Mm -hmm. as high as a wide receiver, too, for me. Uh, If you punted the position, even a one, he could be serviceable. I I do like Allen Robinson for this season. I like him a lot. Yeah. And especially in daily this week, too. I think, well, I haven't seen the price yet, but um, I feel like, you know, they, they're going to be giving him a, a ton of targets and a lot of red zone targets, too, especially with Julius Thomas out. Allen Robinson sitting at 5,400 on DraftKings. So quite uh, quite the bargain there when you look at, consider the top guys are 91, 92, 9,300. So and half even the price maybe, of Julio Jones. Maybe if I'm st- stacking Almost. up elsewhere, maybe Allen Hearns. I mean, I don't know. I kind of like Alan Hearns. He's second on that depth chart. Uh, not a season-long play, but a guy who I'd consider in daily. In a tournament. Yeah. Seahawks at Rams. I would thought even on the road, Seahawks would be more than a four-point favorite. But uh, regardless, over-under 40-and-a-half here. Uh, that is that is second lowest, I think, over-under we've seen so far. But Seattle, I think this is an interesting team from a fantasy standpoint. You had Jimmy Graham. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is, of course, going to get his. At, at wideout, Tyler Lockett, 
see somebody that you think can emerge early on as soon as week one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know you're starting your fantasy options with Jimmy Graham, Marshawn Lynch, and those guys on the Seahawks. Of course, those are must-starts, but the intrigue from this game for me comes in watching a guy like Tyler Lockett that's built up a lot of steam, seems to be moving up the receiver, the receiving depth chart in Seattle there, and he could be very well be, I can see him being somebody that Eric and I are going to discuss uh, next Tuesday's waiver Wire podcast as a potential pickup candidate there. So I'm keeping an eye on him. I'm not trying to pick him up just yet, but... Uh, but, but like I said, a very close eye to see if he can potentially improve a little bit, uh, maybe even surpass Doug Baldwin in, in, in that position group. I, I picked him up as a, as a flyer already just because I want to get out ahead, you know, so I don't have to spend that waiver claim or, yeah. or fab money next That's a week. good point. It won't cost yeah. you much now. It might cost you a lot at this point next week. I think he's behind, what, Jermaine Curse and somebody else on the depth chart. forget who it is exactly, but he... Uh, oh, Doug Baldwin, of course, but mm-hmm. I think I think Lockett's a guy. I mean, he impressed early on in the preseason with the with his return ability. Later on in the preseason with his ability at, at wide receiver, I think he could be a big play threat. One they've kind of been lacking uh, in recent years. A guy that stretched the field, opened things up for Graham over mm-hmm. the middle. Yeah, that, that sets up perfectly with their offense, and of course Russell Wilson, an, an ever improving quarterback, that's going to find a way to get these guys involved. So Lockett might have a little bit of work to do in terms of depth chart, but there'll be a couple big games where he, he helps. I can very much see this year uh, where he helps a millionaire maker winner uh, take yeah. claim that top prize. For the Rams, still waiting on their Thursday injury report, but Trey Mason, uh, DNP on Wednesday, he's he's still dealing with that thigh injury. And, of course, Todd Gurley, uh, he was actually limited, but he's not expected to play, at least for the first several weeks. But in steps ben, Benny Cunningham, is he somebody – and this is a tough matchup, though. But yeah. if he gets a start at his price, I'm sure he's dirt cheap uh, on whatever daily site you're using. Uh, but I think this matchup might may scare me away. What about you? Yeah, Cunningham, $3,000 flat on DraftKings. So you're literally getting him for a third of the price of the top backs. And if you want to stack, if you want to make a, a Des Bryant, Julio Jones, um, that that type of matchup, mm-hmm possible maybe even Randall Cobb in there throw those three together uh, these are the types of plays that you're going to have to make and out of all the three thousand dollar players Benny Cunningham might be the best one in terms of getting the most touches but I really don't like the matchup I'm trying to go a step up with the running backs maybe for a middle tier tier guy and and go and go strong with my first two receivers maybe go Devonte Adams with my third and allow me to balance it out with uh with running backs right there and uh, I mean we'll get to the Monday night games later but I also like Sam Bradford as a week one value play I think he's got a great matchup on the road uh, in a dome against Atlanta pretty weak pass defense so that's where I'm saving money I guess not that we're on the topic but Benny Cunningham I have a tough time I don't think he's worth owning in season-long formats just because he'll get some carries week one but it's against a tough matchup and then when, once Trey Mason's back and Todd Gurley then of course who's expected about three to four weeks then uh, he's Cunningham will be pretty much irrelevant so mm-hmm. and the matchup week one makes it almost too much you could see like oh you know if a minimum price player is going to get 15 20 carries but if he turns 15 20 carries into 37 yards it's not really going to do you much good yeah I'm with you I think if after this week I'm going to be reaching out to I got Gurley several spots but reaching out to Gurley owners especially mm-hmm. if they lose or get blown out this week yep. because I think you know maybe there's that panic moment where I think uh, I think you have to wait. I don't think I'd be making any trades anywhere after one week, but maybe that owner 
uh, is is a little bit uh, panicked mm-hmm. and and is open to moving Gurley, and I think you could uh, really get him at a, at a value because he's somebody that. I really think could have an Odell Beckham Jr. type impact over the mm-hmm. second half because he's so much better than Trey Mason, Benny Cunningham, that I think he's going to step in uh, when he is cleared and, and have a monster second half. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think I own Gurley in three of my five leagues. or I'm really close up there, so I'm not in a spot where I'm going to be reaching out to Gurley owners, but I, in those leagues, I prepared in the later rounds of my draft, taking guys like D'Angelo Williams, Alfred Blue, that'll be useful until Gurley's back, and then I can kind of cut bait with them and have Gurley, who has RB1 potential after he gets healthy there. So I, I'm the owner in, in these situations, of course, uh, and, and the Trey Mason injury woes have only... Uh, made me more confident about that but uh, for now I'm avoiding the Rams running backs week one of course the only ones that are going to play fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting week one DraftKings will be hosting the biggest fantasy football contests ever giving out over 10 million dollars in prizes go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code rotowire to play free for your shot at 1 million dollars in cash prizes in the Week 1 Play Action Contest. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Afternoon games, Saints at Cardinals. Cardinals one-point favorites at home, uh, over under 48.5. You know, nothing official yet, but reports suggesting C.J. Spiller indeed is going to sit out this one. Uh, with him out, do you think, I mean, Mark Ingram, of course, the guy, but do you think Kyrie Robinson and PPR makes for a good punt play? Yeah, I think there's uh, situations where you would use him, especially in those deeper ones as you get to 14, 16, and maybe if you were a Gurley Foster owner or even a Le'Veon Bell LeGarrette Blunt owner, you could find a way to work Kyrie Robinson in your lineup and make it worthwhile. I think he represents maybe a little bit of a pass-catching threat, good in the screen game, at least more so than Mark Ingram, so I'd say he's closer to Spiller's skill set than he is to Ingram's. I still think Ingram finds the end zone once, maybe twice in this game, but Robinson has enough in him to maybe go four catches, 40 yards, and another 30-40 on the ground, which isn't a terrible fantasy output, but this type of space filler that you need in uh, some of those deeper formats for early on. Uh, Brandon Cooks, ton of preseason hype, and really feel good about him, even at that price, which crept up was so happy to finally get a couple shares uh just early this week after not having any uh, first several weeks of draft season but a uh, Brandon Coleman a guy you maybe look at on DraftKings as a mm-hmm. as another guy who's cheap cheap costs who could end up surprising some people yeah I mean like I was saying before with the one league dilemma I'm in I'm kind of in a toss-up between Brandon Coleman and Philly Brown and even though the Saints depth chart has Marcus Colston uh, listed at number one I really do think that Brandon Coleman steps in and goes after a lot of that Jimmy Graham role I mean for starters he's got the big body maybe not as much weight to him but he's 6'6 225 and I, I really think that Drew Brees if he can prove reliable and doesn't get plagued by drops or anything early on, haven't seen any indications that that would be the case at all. But as long as he avoids the kind of youngster mistakes, I, I really am confident about this guy. I got him as a late round pick in at least two leagues, and I think it, it might be just a matter of a couple of weeks before I'm starting to use someone like that consistently. And Michael Floyd was able to get in a limited practice Wednesday, still keeping an eye out for his designation for Thursday, but. I think when he suffered the injury, most people expected him to miss at least a couple weeks, but it looks like he has a real chance to play. 
Uh, I know you weren't particularly high on him, but he is listed uh, ahead of John Brown on the depth chart. That's not particularly surprising because John Brown really a slot guy. But uh, do you think Michael Floyd, if he suits up, is a wide receiver three? Yeah, against this defense, yep. And with Carson Palmer at quarterback, yep. Yeah, you know, I wasn't as high on him maybe because I got burned a little bit by him last year. But, of course, the carousel of quarterbacks that were there in Arizona couldn't have done much to help the value of a young player like Floyd. And I think once he gets this finger thing sorted out and he's ready to go, which if it's not week one, he should be fine by week two. So once that's all good to go, I think Floyd is absolutely wide receiver three territory. And by the end of the season, he could even be creeping up into wide receiver two if, of course, he lives up to his full potential that many owners were hoping to get when they drafted him in the 2014 season. Yeah, I mean, I saw him fall so far. I got yep. him with one of my last picks. Uh, that was a 10-teamer, but still, I mean, I, I just couldn't believe. Uh, I'd pass on him because I'd want an upside, a different upside type of guy, and then he'd fall back to me, and I'd, uh, you know, let him go, and then he'd come back to me again, and then I'd end up pulling the trigger. So I'm glad to have a lot of shares of Michael Floyd, but we'll see. Uh, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach just because I have the depth, but I can certainly see if he suits up. Uh, the case for for giving him a role because I think the talent, uh, I'm a believer in that talent. Lions at Chargers, Chargers three-point favorites at home, over under 46. Melvin Gordon, a must-start for you, even with the the question marks around his role as far as, you know, is he going to be a strict first and second down guy? I mean, if you drafted Melvin Gordon, you drafted him as your RB1, and you pretty much have to start him. There's you you have to stick with that commitment now. Uh, he's not necessarily someone who I'm looking to start in daily. Uh, I want to see him prove something first a little bit. And, I mean, the the Lions defense, after losing Sue, a lot of people uh, dog him, but I still think they're going to be pretty good. They replaced him with uh, Haloti Nagata, who's, who's no slouch at all. So they're going to be a pretty formidable defense still, regardless. They've got... Uh, you know, I guess looking at the Lions defense right now, it looks like DeAndre Levy's, Levy's looking pretty doubtful for the game. So maybe not at full strength, but at the same time, they're a formidable squad. I think especially in weeks one, two, three, uh, Danny Woodhead, we see a lot more reps out of him, especially on third downs, maybe even some early down carries. And I, I like him on the swing pass. I think Phillip Rivers, the Woodhead, that swing pass is going to happen a, a lot this year. So if you drafted him, as you probably drafted him as your RB1 or a, a top-end RB2, and there are a lot of matchups that for other running backs that might be a lot more favorable in, in the early goings. Uh, but at the same time, you're kind of stuck with him if you, if you drafted him at this point. So throwing him out there, but not with a ton of confidence. Amir Abdullah owners also paid a pretty hefty price. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joyke Bell, I mean, he's still technically the guy. Do you feel confident starting Abdullah or even if you paid that hefty price, you kind of forced to take a wait and see here. I I think you're almost forced to take a wait and see here just because the position on the depth chart. You got Joyke Bell, Tolton the Rock for most of, uh, of of the game there, and then Theo Riddick is even listed ahead of Amir Abdullah on the depth chart. So I like Abdullah's upside long term, especially in dynasty formats. But I'm looking at my other options. But I, I saw too many owners taking him in the third and fourth round this year, and they're going to be put in a very tough spot for Week One, especially if they've been trying to pair him up with someone like Gurley or Le'Veon Bell or oh, Arian yeah. Foster. Very true. Uh, Titans at Bucks. Titans three-point favorites. Uh, I guess the Buccaneers were atrocious last year, but this is going to be a uh, kind of a stinker, I'd imagine. I'm excited to get a look at these rookie quarterbacks, though. Over-under at 41. Doug Martin, I mean, great preseason. Feel good about him, but is he? Uh, where is he on the spectrum for you? Is he kind of a middle-of-the-pack 
RB2, or is he kind of a high-end RB2 with RB1 potential in this one? Yeah, I'd call him an RB2 high-end, uh, the second option there. And there's, I would say there's definitely some potential to arise back in, in rookie season's uh, status there, especially without Mike Evans uh, available, presumably. I guess we'll confirm that later in the week. But you've got a rookie quarterback. I think they'll, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but I think they'll, to- they'll hand the ball off to him plenty of times to you know, take some of the load off Winston and maybe stop him from making some of those tough decisions. He's also a good, you know, dump off option, which a young quarterback uh, who's in a panic always needs a check down option. So I think Doug Martin actually has a pretty big game and I'm pretty confident, confident enough that I'll be using him in most of my daily lineups this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Martin's definitely interesting. And Vince Jackson, again, if Evans does indeed sit, I think is a really strong play. Uh, but on the Titans side, I mean, don't like really much at all. Bishop Sankey's a guy I wouldn't really consider even in daily. Uh, Delaney Walker, maybe, and Kendall Wright in PPR, but really don't see a lot. Especially, you know, I, I kind of like Doriel Green Beckham long-term, like the upside, but he's somebody that I'm completely hands-off of mm-hmm. uh, this week, just given the uncertainty there with that offense. Bengals at Raiders. Bengals three-point favorites uh, on the road, over under 43 uh, Jeremy Hill, I think, is a, a top three running back this week against the Raiders. Even even mm-hmm. though they did improve somewhat defensively, uh, I think he's going to run the ball a lot, and he's going to have a lot of success against this Raiders team. What about a guy like Amari Cooper? How do you feel about him in this matchup? I'm a little bit hesitant to throw out a rookie week one, but the places I've seen Amari Cooper go in drafts likely means that a lot of owners will be starting him week one. <laughs> and you know, I can't. I can't really argue with that. Uh, he sits uh, on our value meter as the number twenty-seven overall receiver, sandwiched right in between Torrey Smith and Andre Johnson, who we mentioned earlier in the week are going to probably be Week One starts. So I, I start. If I own him, I'm starting him um, with kind of a medium confidence level. I'm not really going out of my way to use him in daily, though. I want to see more how he's used in a regular season role. I'm with you there. Ravens at Broncos last afternoon game. Uh, Broncos four and a half point favorites at home. I think this is going to be an interesting game because I think the Broncos defense is a little underrated. I don't know if the Ravens are going to be able to do a whole lot, but that over under suggests uh, Vegas expects quite a few points to be mm-hmm. put up. Yeah, do you think it's Forsett who maybe gets it done for the Ravens, or is there anybody else in that offense that you like? I think Forsett's going to be the top fantasy producer on that offense pretty much all season long. Now, I because of his age and the lack of history I was a little uh, low on him early on but that started to pick up steam for me as I watched uh, Javoris or Buck Allen or whatever struggle a little bit during camp so the whole four set thing started to pick up a lot of steam and then you know thinking about it despite being I believe 29 years old he doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires yet Mm. so not experiencing the same wear and tear that guys like Frank Gore or even say Adrian Peterson for example have uh have experienced over the course of their career so I think uh Forsett should still have some gas left in the tank maybe a late being a late bloomer is going to help him uh overall as a player he's I, I tried to get him in a few places at least uh maybe in the second round coming back if I was drafting with one of the early picks uh but as far as daily goes I'm really. I think C.J. Anderson has one of the best games daily-wise over here. Now I know I didn't advocate. He's going to be one of the top price backs, and I don't normally advocate spending a lot of money on your backs. But in in some cash games, I think you can very much make a case for C.J. Anderson. I think it, just the way that offense goes, he's going to be on the field for a heavy volume of snaps, and especially in those PPR formats like DraftKings, you got to love where he's going. 
Absolutely. Uh, just back to Baltimore real quick. Brashad Perriman and Lorenzo Taliaferro both looking doubtful to play in this mm-hmm. one. Uh, just uh, on a side note, after missing practice Wednesday. Sunday night game, I think this is going to be a fun one. Giants at Cowboys always is, really, with these two teams. Cowboys seven-point favorites at home, over under at 51. I, I mean, the Cowboys running back situation is so clouded right now. I, I think, I mean, Joseph Randall's still listed first, but there have been some speculation that uh, maybe maybe it's McFadden who gets the start. It, with the uncertainty there, though, I mean, I think you probably took Randall at a spot where, you know, you probably hoped to, to start him wait right off the bat, but... With the uncertainty here, are you just completely hands-off with this backfield situation? Yeah, fielded a lot of questions on the Cowboys' backfield. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm completely hands-off. I did take Joseph Randall in a couple places, usually in my drafts that were early on because he seemed his stock seemed to be falling a little bit as the season got a little bit closer. So in a couple of my early drafts, I ended up with Randall. And really, I mean, I like the matchup a lot. The the uh, the Giants' Rundy was number 30 in the league last year. Uh, didn't seem to improve significantly to me so uh, yeah I'm starting Randall uh I am holding back a little bit on Darren McFadden and even even Kristen Michael Lance Dunbar I don't think there's room to see them start until we see how this uh carry distribution and snap distribution shakes out in week one I think Michael ends up taking that job quite honestly but I'm I'm with you completely hands off of, of everybody in that backfield this week and I actually think Joseph Randall could be produced outproduced he could very well be outproduced. In fact, if I had to put money on it, I probably would. By another Randall on the other side, Ruben Randall, and that's because Victor Cruz didn't practice Thursday. Yeah, uh, still not ruled out by uh, by the Giants, but I think if Cruz does sit, Ruben Randall. I mean, Odell Beckham's going to get a ton of attention. Maybe Randall ends up stepping in and have, has a pretty big game there. Monday night, we got two on the slate here: Eagles at Falcons. Eagles two and a half point favorites there over under fifty five. I mean, wow. biggest of the week that's, just over the Thursday night game that's going on uh, this evening. Love Sam Bradford. You mentioned you like him as a value play. What's what's that price if if you have that? Uh, yeah, I've got it uh, pretty close here. Hang on, just yeah. one. Second I love Sam, Sam Bradford. Bradford. You know, I love yeah, Sam. Bradford. Six thousand nine hundred for a quarterback on DraftKings. <laughs> When uh, you're looking at some of the top guys, 8,600, 8,300 for Rodgers and Luck, respectively. And, yeah, so uh, Bradford's sitting basically right outside the top 10. He's even got a lower price than Colin Kaepernick and Matthew Stafford uh, and Ryan Tannehill and Eli Manning. I mean, Eli's got a pretty good matchup there, I guess. But uh, I really like Sam Bradford as a value play. He's he's a good baseline in cash games to get you some of those surefire receivers. And just because of the over-under in that game, I'm looking to guys like uh, Jordan Matthews, potentially. I'm not going to know my outcomes in a lot of leagues until Monday night because I'm using Matthews and Bradford uh, in a ton of formats, almost as many places as I can. So uh, pretty much all my chips are in on those guys. In the first daily lineup I set the other day for week one, um, had both of those guys as well just because Bradford's the value play, and then you get Matthews in there to potentially exponentially grow those points in a tournament. I love Bradford, and you know that as far as fantasy this year. I mean, you sniped him for me in two leagues that we drafted yeah. together. I, I had a reach for him last, last night. night. You, re- you paid I me back. I reached for him, yeah, way last night, knowing Clay was going to take him. <laughs> I mean, I as far as fantasy goes, I mean, I get it. The The knee has been operated on twice, and there's a significant risk. But I think uh, if he's healthy, he's going to be a, a top-five QB and maybe even an MVP candidate. I'm going to throw that out there right now. I think Sam Bradford 
could be an MVP candidate. What about Tevin Coleman on the other side here? Tevin Coleman, I I gotta love it. I know the Eagles' defense has gotten better, but mm. I, I mean, there's going to be a ton of offense run on here. I mean, Atlanta's totally going to dominate the time of possession here, and that only bodes well for whoever their starting running back is. Which, of course, we learned this week that it would be Coleman over Freeman, who still kind of got an achy hamstring mm-hmm. uh, working on that. So maybe that splits a little bit. But Tevin Coleman's starting to pick up uh, in value as the season go gets closer, going in the low twenties in auctions, and and I don't know, maybe fifth, sixth round. I've seen him, or if not more, in, in my snake drafts. So. He's absolutely picking up steam, and I think uh, you can start him with confidence as an RB2 this week. Zach Ertz was able to get in a limited practice Thursday, but uh, I'm not particularly confident in him, especially given the fact that he's listed behind Brent Selleck on the depth chart. Uh, I'm a little bit worried there if I'm an Ertz owner. But Vikings uh, at 49ers last game of the week. Vikings two-and-a-half-point favorites at San Francisco. Of course, San Francisco really gutted in the offseason. Uh, over under just 41 and a half here. I think it's a situation where, you know, I have Torrey Smith and Vernon Davis on a couple mm-hmm. teams, just I guess late round guys that I didn't. I actually am pretty high on Vernon Davis, but I have a question for you, kind of just a general fantasy strategy. Uh, don't, don't really think about it much with baseball, but do you worry maybe about having too many shares of a poor offense, uh, you know, on one on one starting lineup. Like if you have Torrey Smith and Vernon Davis, do you think you're uh, really kind of shooting your, potentially shooting yourself in the foot there? Well, I'm worried about it particularly this week because Minnesota, uh, a team that as much as I hate to say it in the, in, in the uh, NFC North division here, uh, they're a team that's up and coming and I think they have a good chance to get to as high as second place this year. And they have a deceptively good pass defense that fell off the rails a little bit during the last few weeks of the last season, but they still finished in the top half of the league. And just starting too many San Francisco wide receiver or even tight end options could burn you this week, especially if you need to get a lot of points and make up a lot of ground Monday night. I'm starting Torrey Smith in one format because I have to, but if I had to guess the big fantasy performer on San Francisco is going to be Anquan Bolden. He always has a huge week one. I think he's got the all-time record for week one touchdowns or is creeping up on it and could get up there this week. So he's historically been having huge games in week one and then his value kind of teeters off for the rest of the season. So he's my pick to have a big game in this, but I'm not necessarily saying that with enough confidence that I'm going out of my way to work him into daily lineups only if the price is right yeah i'm with you i just don't trust colin kaepernick as a passer yep. i think he'll be able to run and, and have a decent fantasy year but uh, i don't trust his ability to get it to those wideouts consistently and in a league where i have aaron foster uh, and Legarrette blunt i think instead of starting tory smith and vernon davis i'm going to go vernon davis and a guy like shane vereen yeah i mean i, I just think vereen uh, could be you know kind of a sneaky play this week. I think he'll be involved, third down guy, mm-hmm. catch I ver- some passes. I very much agree. I, I think, think he has a higher floor. Yep, I, I'd say Vereen, maybe not an RB2, but I'd say a, a mid-level, if not decent-level flex spot, I think uh, with that matchup against Dallas and a pretty weak defense there, he's able to come out, catch some passes to where he's valuable in PPR, and even provide some sneaky utility in those non-PPR formats uh, just based on the matchup and, and everything else that's going on in that offense. Charles Johnson starting him anywhere I did not own him anywhere I thought he got a little bit over hype this year remember it's a guy that is has like Sam Bradford had two ACL surgeries but unfortunately he's at the wide receiver position uh had a nice um had a nice run there I guess but I I'm a little bit hesitant to him I I didn't own him anywhere actually across all my leagues so 
I don't fortunately don't have to worry about that dilemma there, but you can still make a case as a wide receiver two or three. Well, that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod. For Jake Letarski, I'm Clay Link. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will be back with you guys on Friday. Good luck this week.